Okay. So, um, hello, Internet. Welcome to Hey Retriever. Uh, this is a podcast that John, Ryan, and I put together to talk to friends and uh, acquaintances and colleagues and people that we find interesting. Uh, today, there is no John Michael Ryan. Um, so, John's out. Yeah, we're probably, well, we're going to miss his mispronunciation of a few words. Um, we're gonna we're gonna definitely miss his energy, but I'll do what I can to first mute my mail notifications. Good, yes, yes, good call. Okay, so today, our episode, this episode of the podcast, we are speaking with Judd Demoline, Demoline, Demoline. No, you got it right first time. You nailed Demoline. It. Yeah, um, Judd and I have met online once or twice, um, but never in person. However, he and John go way back, uh, and I'm going to dig into that, uh, see what makes their relationship tick, and also talk to Judd a bit about what he does for a living. Um, Judd, welcome to Hey Retriever. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so where should we start? You and John or you and... Art. Oh, oh, why don't we start with me and John, and then we don't have to talk about me. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, John introduced you and I, um, but you and John go, go way back, I think. Yeah, we go back a few years. I, uh, maybe 2014, 2015, I think, was my first introduction to, to JMR, as he says he's called around town. Yeah, and was the context uh, work? Was the context uh, friendship? Uh, I think the context was we both, uh, I think we both kind of stumbled across each other on, I think, I want to say it was like Instagram maybe. Um, I I think at that time he was still rocking and rolling with like Tangent Mind or was on the, the tail end of Tangent Mind. Um, and I I think that he had posted something that I thought was, uh, something. I think he posted something about failure that I thought was really profound. And I responded to him and I don't know, I kind of had the same feeling about failure as he did. And I think that we just kind of picked it up from there. We met a couple of times and had some lots of coffee, lots of lots of lots of coffee, and then just talked a lot too. That is such a cool and modern phenomenon. Right. Like yeah. just, just liking a thing that you saw somebody comment somewhere, yeah. you know, basically. Oh. Using Instagram for what it was intended for, right? Yeah, like, I guess. I guess so, else. yeah. <laughs> Um, so what do you do for a living? What, what do you, what title do you give yourself, uh, in a typical, you know, conversation like this? I mean, so back in the day, I, I would have said like videographer slash photographer. And I would say these days, I just, I mean, I, some people hate it. Some people don't hate it. I figure just embrace it because the future is now, right? Just, I just say a content creator. So, I mean, currently, uh, I'm kind of I'm a manager of content creation, um, so I would say content creator is the most accurate. It does cover a lot of bases. It, it does. It, it content does. can mean so many things. Well, I mean, also I think in this day and age, uh, if you limit yourself to just saying that like you're a photographer, you're kind of I don't want to say you're doing yourself a disservice because there are people out there that just limit themselves to being called a photographer, and they are phenomenal at what they do. But I also I also feel um, 
for me, like even in educational purposes through college, it was always kind of multifaceted. Like I, I wanted to learn about retouching in Photoshop. I wanted to learn about, I will say like, I never wanted to learn anything about audio. Audio always seemed like super difficult and confusing to me. And shout out to Dane. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, I did always want to like learn about video and, and how to, you know, compose the shots and what went into editing that down. How do you direct people? Like that always seemed like a mystery to me. Um, so for me, leaning into a content creator just feels a little bit more, uh, I feel more at home in saying that because I, I don't just stick to photography only. Like I, you know, if we can grab some, some video content or we can grab some GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want to call them, you know, if we can grab some time lapses and some hyperlapses, you know, even some, you know, some boomerangs or something, like, let's do it. Like, let's grab all the content that we can possibly get. I mean, so to me, content creator is, I don't know, it just feels right. Yeah. And again, that's, it does seem like sort of a, a very modern viewpoint. And, um, okay. Because in the past, each of those, I mean, you know, there were no boomerangs, but uh, photography was an art form in itself, a craft. Uh, in and of itself, it's different from cinematography, and and certainly different from music writing or you know, composing or or sound design or or all these other facets of of uh, filmmaking or of content creation. Now, all those tools are so ubiquitous. Um, there's really no. I don't. Maybe there's still stigma at some levels if you are a sort of multi-hyphenate version of that. But I don't think there is. Like, I, I think everybody kind of sees that crossover. Yeah, I agree. I think I think a lot, I think where it gets a little uh, hairy is maybe with some of the old guard, you know, like they, they can be a little, you know, I mean, it's old guard, so they can be a little like stuck in their ways, you know I mean? They don't really see the benefit of it. But I think you'll find even uh, maybe the generation right before me and, and hopefully the generations after, like there's a huge benefit to being able to call yourself a content creator. There just really is like you, it doesn't, it doesn't pigeonhole you into one thing and it allows you to explore other realms of the creative process. And to me, like that's like, I never wanted to be, a, you know, a, a dude wearing like a, a collared shirt with a tie sitting in some cubicle that never really sounded like fun to me, but just being somebody that was out there trying to, have experiences and translate those experiences into some sort of form of I am back in the day I'll say art so that like other people could try to understand what I was what I was feeling at that moment like that that always appealed to me so I mean I, yeah I think I, I mean my hope is is that like content creator kind of lingers and that people step outside of the box of just being you know here's a photographer and the photographer only takes photos, but if you're a content creator where well, you can be a director or you could be a cinematographer as well, I mean, maybe you're just somebody that understands light in a certain way or understands emotion in a certain way, and you can use that as a tool um, in your toolkit for both photography or cinematography or directing. I mean, I think that to me is probably the future of all content, especially when you start to think about social media and its impact on, on all creative art forms. Well, and here's another blurry sort of aspect to that new world. Um, are you a, a content creator for hire specifically, or do you have your own projects? Are you an influencer? Where, where does your content that is created go on to exist? 
Yeah. So uh, I, I do have like a full-time gig where I'm like a manager of content creation. And then I also have like my, my side gigs as well. But, um, so I do work for other, I do work for like other brands. Mostly I like, I really like to lean into like AG stuff, like ag stuff. I really love to lean into like wineries and breweries. I think that's really interesting. And there's a lot of people out there doing really unique they're just taking their crafts to a different level. And it's really unique, some of the things that they're doing. Some people are bouncing all the way back to like a few hundred years ago and trying to manipulate their wines or create a new type of mead. And it's like, that to me is being able to work with like creators like that. So, I mean, I don't, I haven't had a lot of like really big, huge, like high name clients. Uh, I stick with a lot of editorial stuff because it gets me out into the city, gets me into those smaller spaces where these, um, more younger entrepreneurial spirits are kind of fostering and they're growing and they're becoming, uh, there seems like they're trying to do something differently than like their, the previous generation. And so I, I try to work in that realm a lot and try to apply any kind of content, um, that I can create for them for whatever they need it for, whether that's like social posts or, you know, uh, if they're looking to lean into like web strategy in some way, you know, or if they just want to do some print ads, like I, don't really limit myself in that scope. Um, but by and large, these are these are client relationships. Yeah, uh, yeah. First, and then and then you create content sort of around their messaging needs or their their brand voice or or whatever, right? Yeah, most definitely. I think it's really great to be able to um, build that level of trust with people where you they can bring you in at the ground level, so you can kind of help hear their ideas and maybe work with them on how to twist those ideas into for social media, for tactics that we could use as like an in to help them find a new audience or expand their current audience into somebody that they're maybe not tapping into, maybe a different generation, a different demographic, things like that. So like being able to work with the brands or even the businesses in a close way like that, to me, I think is, is it's kind of invaluable at, at, for what it is that I like to do because it, it gives me an opportunity to build that trust level we get in there on the ground floor with them and just say like, look, this is kind of like, you have these ideas, here's how we could spin those ideas into social tactics or marketing tactics to help you kind of evolve that and you can pursue it later. And uh, how did you get started? Where where did this, you mentioned college earlier. Was, yeah. Did you go to school for one, like communications in general or one, one aspect of this or yeah, how did that well, go? I, I kind of fell in love with photography in high school. Um, and then, uh, oddly enough, the, the dude that took my senior photos told me about this school in Dayton, Ohio, uh, called the Ohio Institute of Photography and Technology. And I, I went and did a tour of like the art institutes or whatever. It didn't really, I don't know, it didn't really feel, uh, from a small town in Ohio, it didn't feel home. Uh, and then I went to this school and I was like, yeah, I mean, it was essentially <clears throat> like a double wide, but like a hundred feet long, right? <laughs> it's this little brick building. Um, and I went in there and like, it was, it just felt right. So I ended up going there and then I majored in uh, commercial photography. You didn't really have a minor. So I just, I did another major of, uh, I, I don't really know exactly what it was called, but it was essentially it was just retouching. So I, I didn't like, I went to school in like 99, 2000. So it was just at the start. Like, I think it was like the Nikon one, something was like a one megapixel digital camera. That was it. Like, and <laughs> we're so far removed from that, but to me, I was like, yo, this is it, like technology never goes backwards. You know what I mean? Like currently, like we have Facebook is like, it's kind of a news platform, right? 
And then you've got like Bitcoin is like kind of a bank. So like we're never going to go backwards from those things. Like once technology is introduced, we as like as human beings and as a culture and as a society, we use it, we find a way to make it work or we modify it to make it better than what it was. So like knowing that and, and seeing that digital was definitely going to be here to stay, people just had to figure it out and embrace it. Like I was like, how do I... If it, you know, if it all goes sideways with photography, like how do I find a way to still embrace this, this lifestyle? And to me, that was like through retouching. So I, I tried to get it. I got a degree in retouching and I got a degree in commercial photography. And that, uh, eventually that led my path to St. Louis, uh, through bonds that I had made in college friends that brought me down to St. Louis. And then I've, I've been here ever since I took a year off like 2010, 11 and like didn't work for a year and like lived out in Oregon. But other than that, I've, I've been here ever since like 2005. And was there, uh, you know, there must have been some transition from the theoretical to the practical, right? Like you were, you were studying, um, you had, I mean, I guess these are both pretty practical arts, uh, especially the retouching side. But when, when you came out of college, were you working right away? Did you jump into a, like an in-house gig somewhere? Uh, did you, what happened? No, I, I, I wish I was, I wish I was that story. Right. No, I, I mean, legit uh, in all honesty, I, my school, the school that I attended had a, uh, they had like a, you know, we have the 99% placement rate kind of thing. Right. And, uh, I graduated and they got a phone call maybe, maybe six months later. And they were like, it was a, a woman from the school and she was like, I've got a job interview for you at click camera. And it was, <laughs> Click camera was just like some, um, you guys had something down here similar to it. It was like a wolf camera or something like that. It's just like a, a, like a homogenized camera shop and you can like walk into and order your prints. I mean, it's no, it's, it's just as, it's just as, uh, it's just basically the same as like a Kroger photo lab or like a, you know, any kind of photo okay. lab in grocery store. Yeah. And I was just like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what, what is, what is this? Uh, and I was like, I thought, I thought there would be like more, you know, callings for like commercial studios or whatever. But I think, I think the thing that you don't realize in Instagram is made when you're young, you don't realize it. At least I did. I hadn't maybe, and hopefully the kids are smarter than I am back as I was back then. Um, but I, I think it's even true now is, is, is there's a lot of fish out in the ocean. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people, Instagram specifically, like has created a lot of photographers or videographers or even content creators. And I think being a young, naive person, fresh out of school, I was thinking to myself, like, ah, you know, I'm just going to be authentically me for a second. Like, I'm just going to fucking get out of here. I'm going to go on my fucking own and I'm going to rock and roll. And I will be some hot shot photographer with a pool in my living room that overlooks, you know, Central Park. Cause like that's, that's what Hollywood like leads you to believe, right? Like that's the photographer lifestyle. That's such bullshit. It couldn't be farther from the truth. Like there's so much hard work and hustle that goes into everything that no one really tells you about. And so, I just assumed they'd, you know, placement lady would call and she'd be like, gotcha, this great gig. You're going to go in. You know, and it was not that at all. Uh, so after the phone call from Click Camera, I was basically like, you know what? Um, I'll go on my own. I'll figure this out. And I ended up working. <laughs> I ended up doing a couple of assisting jobs for people here and there. Uh, other people I knew from college went on to like work in, in the commercial industry, some in New York, some in Chicago. I think one person went out to like LA or something like that. But I ended up working with a couple of, of like, you know, friends from college in those roles doing like second assisting. And I, I loved it. It was amazing. Um, and then 
I was working in between like restaurants and I ended up, no shit, ended up taking a job at a Kroger photo lab in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and uh, which is where the school was at. Mm-hmm. And I was there for about four months and I remember it was terrible. And then one day, a couple of friends uh, that I'd gone to college with who were in St. Louis called and they were like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And I told them and they were like, look, put a book together, come down to St. Louis, assisting pays like 150 a day you know, just starting out. And, you know, if you, if you work your ass off and you do well, like there's a bunch of studios in town, you might be able to build something, right? And, you know, change that day rate. And I was like, okay. And I was like, so when should I head down? And they were like, two, three weeks. Now I hung up that phone. I like looked at the person I was dating. I was like, I'm out. I gotta go. You know what I mean? I drove through the night, got here and I didn't look back. And that, and that was, you know, that was basically how I left Ohio and came out to St. Louis. I left one Midwest and came to another Midwest, but that's that's the story of one, so to speak. And the the thing that was here, and by here I'm in Chicago, but but where you are in St. Louis was just a cooler job than you possibly could have gotten in Ohio. Yeah, I mean anything other than a Kroger photo lab seemed in one. Seemed way cooler. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed way cooler. And I mean, the 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 prospect was come down here, work your tail off. Maybe, maybe they'll hire you, maybe they won't, right? But I figured, at least I reasoned with myself, like, I have control over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like I I don't I don't get to control if I'm if I'm, you know, if I get a promotion to like, you know, lab tech or something like that. <laughs> and also like, what that pay? Like, cause this is, this is crazy. Like how, you're the penis that you were working for back then. I mean, you still are, but it, it was just one of those things that I was like, you know, I know I can have some control over this. I can have some autonomy and this is what I want to do. So like, I shouldn't give up on this dream that I've always had. And it, I think that was also the moment in time where I realized that like, man, Hollywood is full of shit. There are no photographers out here except for like Sands, like one that has like a pool in their living room. And like, that's, yeah. that's it, you know? And I, I just was like, if I just go out there and hit the ground running, I make as many introductions as I can, try to be myself, you know, try not to let the ego take control, which I've failed miserably at that. Um, but just try to be myself and, and, and let it go. And like, maybe I can, maybe I can work with as many people as possible and learn as much as possible. And I was fortunate that I, I did get to meet a bunch of people and work with this, a lot of people. I wonder how much of that hubris is just youth or youth, you know, um, in general. Like the, a, a young architect, a young anyone come on, coming out of, you know, an academic, like in the humanities, might feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get out of school and suddenly be and get a professorship and all the, whatever the next step is for them, like. Some of that's just built into being uh, young. Some of it's specifically about being a creative uh, and an ambitious creative. And then some of it is like Hollywood expectations and the neat, the the neatness of a. Sorry, that's another notification there. Uh, the the patness of a Hollywood script in of any subject, right? Like you, yeah. within an hour and a half, you're everything's resolved and. You, live happily ever after or whatever, you know, like it's the hero's journey, right? Like you're, you know, as a comic. Yeah. Yeah. But like the sitcom version, (laughs) right? Where (laughs) you just have the happy music and the laugh track at the end and 
you've got a pool in your living room. Yep, and you're done. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'll agree. I, I think it is. I think it's a mixture of maybe all three. Like it's, it's, it's definitely hubris. And I also think for me, I mean, nobody really sat down and they were like, "Hey, you know, life's going to be hard. You got to figure." It. Like it was always like at the end of the, you know, at the end of the, like you said, like at the end of the TV show, like everything was always resolved. And so when you grow up, like in that realm, like, well, at the end of every 28 minutes, like this is resolved. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm, yeah. Why know, isn't this resolved yet? Yeah. Like my, it's, it's been 28 gone. full minutes. Like, it's been 20. What the hell's going on? Like, why <laughs> won't I have, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, well, but, I got to say, I definitely had people in my life tell me life is going to be tougher than I thought it was. Uh, and I didn't listen. I didn't believe them. Okay, I still so, thought I was going to be better than that. True. Cooler than say, that, whatever. Yeah, you know, like I feel like my grandpa was like, strap on your boots, boy. Yeah. Shit's up, right? Like, and then I was like, whatever, this old guy doesn't know what's up. It's different now, right? And I was so, yeah. he was so right. I was so wrong. But yeah. I, I think on the other side of that coin is, you know, we all work in a really, uh, it's kind of, it's a really interesting industry for a lot of people. And I, there's always been kind of like, um, I'm not, maybe it's not the old guard, but there's always been kind of like a wall around the knowledge that's shared. And so I think, when, you know, photographers or cinematographers or directors are like portrayed as like, or even artists, I'll say in like Hollywood films are portrayed as like, you know, living in these, you know, loft apartments overlooking city parks. Like I, f I feel like a lot of people believe it because there's not much inclusion into that, into that world that we all work in. And we were all familiar, like if you were to tell somebody like, um, you go on a work trip, right? Or you're going on a business trip or you're out of town for a production, you're in like Los Angeles, you come back. People that aren't familiar with the industry, they're always like, oh man, like, dude, how was the ocean? Did you get to go thing? And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was on 16 hour days. Well, I got home and we'd be like, you know, dinner in an hour. And you're like, fuck, man. I like, yeah, yeah. let me throw some shoes on and we'll go. You know what I mean? And then you do an hour and a half, two hour powwow dinner and a recap of the day. And you go home and you're like, you go back to the hotel room and you're like, you know, I was going to do 20 push ups, but I think maybe. I'll just guzzle this soda water and fall asleep in my underwear, or the, you know, in my pants or a sweatpants. You know, I mean, like there is nothing like, you know, I mean, sure, there might be like a day off, but even in that day off, you're like, I just want to sleep. <laughs> like, I'm right. just, you know, like there's no, there's no inclusion in that. So I think uh, into like into that realm. So I'll say for like hubris, I think also people that come into the industry a little bit later than, than those that get over that, that wall of knowledge um, I think they also maybe have some of that hubris because like it, it hasn't like, they're still green. Do you know what I mean? Like they haven't had the time to kind of mature into it or learn from their mistakes. And if, you know, and if they've never met anybody that's willing to give them a critique, like it's, it's an, it's a, it's a huge disadvantage for them because a, a really solid critique can change. I mean, it can change everything. It can change your entire trajectory into where you're going. It did for me, you know, at, and I, I think so. I think, Youth has a lot to do with it, but I also think, you know, inclusion in the industry and like breaking down that wall of knowledge that we could share with, you know, everyday people so they understand like, yeah, production is is hard work. It's not this simple thing. It's got beautiful results and you can, you know, you can meet people like yourselves where it becomes kind of like family oriented. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that also might help break down the future. At least I hope. I have tried many times to make the case to my wife that uh, my job is actually hard. <laughs> and, you know, like this trip I'm taking to wherever is actually going to be a lot of work. Uh, but to a public school teacher who's left at home to make sure our kids get to school and yep. all that shit, 
she it, it is not convincing at all. It doesn't matter how hard, how long my days are. She's just like, yeah. Where'd you go to dinner last night? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, my, my wife's the same way. She was like, how was catering today? And uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. well, the tofu <laughs> marinated in, in sesame oil was lovely, right? <laughs> I'm uh-huh. like, dessert choices, that was difficult. But like, yeah, yeah. It's, there's ocean. there are definite perks and benefits, but it's like, you know, it still is it still is hard work, but there are for sure perks and benefits. That's for sure. It's true. So <laughs> on the way from um the Kroger Photo Lab to now, <laughs> there was there must have been a point where things felt like they got established a bit. Like you you did yeah. make your name some um yeah. along the way and and was there a specific job that felt like, okay, this is different. Like now I'm doing something um, closer to what I always dreamed of. Or was there a specific client that felt that way? Or was there a marker along the way that just felt like, okay, I've, I've graduated again from like young career to mid career or where I want to be. Yeah. uh, Yeah, for sure. I would say um, it was probably a, so I said, like in like circa 2010, uh, I had met at the time. It was, she wasn't my wife; she's my wife now. But I had met Jessa, and I had a bunch of money saved up, and I honestly was going to go on like walkabout. And uh, after I met her, everything kind of changed, and had an opportunity to kind of take off and go out to Oregon and live with a buddy. And so we did that for like a year. Neither one of us worked. We just really enjoyed like a, you know, like a permanent vacation for that year and just spent time with each other, you know, spent time with Jake. I walked all over Oregon, walked all over Washington State and like just enjoyed that time and just burnt through all that savings basically. Um, and then when we came back, um, I kind of came back rejuvenated in the sense that like um, I had a really hard critique with a guy named Jim that owns a couple large scale commercial studios, one in Portland, one in Seattle called Studio 3. It was just literally talking about this earlier today. Um, and he took a look at my work and he was like, it's great. Like, I love your work. Like, you know, good lighting, good emotion, all this stuff. But he was like, but like, you're not showing me anything that anybody else can't show me, man. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, where, like, where are you at? You know? And I, when he said that, it, I mean, it literally, it, it pulled all the wind out of this, the little bit of wind out of the sails that I had. And I had to sit with it for a couple of days and, and marinate in it. And that's when I realized every fucking critique that I'd ever gotten from any photographer in St. Louis was all bullshit. Like I had never, like everybody had always said like, oh, I don't know how to sell your work or like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And it, it's probably because like it was too similar. You know what I mean? Like, and nobody had um, the gall or didn't want to say like, show me something different. You know what I mean? And yeah. this guy did. And it meant a lot to me. And so when I came back or when we came back, it rejuvenated something in me that I was like, yo, I'm going to go out and figure out like in college, I felt like I knew what my voice was. You know what I mean? Like I had a professor, um, I admire her so much. And she was like, if I looked at a hundred photos, I could tell which ones were yours. And somewhere in along the way of, you know, being green and having an ego and a hubris and being young, I lost that. So in that moment where Jim from Studio 3 was like, you're not showing me anything I haven't seen before. I was like, okay, so this is the moment that I have now. And so when I came back to St. Louis, all the people that were friends and that I worked for, I didn't tell anybody to move back. I didn't, I didn't want to jump back into that realm. I wanted to see what I could do on my own and continue to build on like what, 
little foundation Jim had given me, right? And so I did that for a while and that's when I got introduced. I mean, the 5D Mark II, I think, was like that bridge camera between like digital and, or like digital photography and photo. And I, th- I, I think it came out in like 2010. I didn't get introduced to it until like 2012. And so in 2012, I, I just jumped on like a, a roster of like a wedding videography company because I figured what better way to learn video on a fucking DSLR than that, right? And so I completely immersed myself into it, um, which was, it was actually, it paid dividends. I ended up meeting a couple guys and we tried to make a little production company and we ended up getting a client called uh, Feast TV. So in St. Louis, there's a magazine called Feast. It's a monthly food publication about uh, restaurants, entrepreneurs, even like small businesses related to, you know, the hospitality industry, uh, mostly like restaurateurs um, that they, you know, they feature in St. Louis. And it, at the time, it was growing rapidly. So it began to expand and include all of Missouri. And with that, they wanted, they were doing a PBS TV show. So it was a, it was a once a month show. It was like a cooking show. So it was like your standard cooking show, right? So like there was an overall segment um, of like the, the editor of the magazine, Kat Neville. So she's making, you know, no, let's say she's making gazpacho, right? <laughs> so she's making gazpacho, but then in between her making gazpacho, there were four vignettes of Missouri area farmers or chefs, restaurants, whoever it was, like any kind of, uh, almost like a maker that was doing something that was food related. And so like this small production company uh, that I was involved in, like we went on and did that. And then eventually I think as a, as a, as a group of like young people, we kind of like lost sight of what we were chasing and it kind of ended up to us like dissolving the company. And then I was a little heartbroken about that. And then, you know, Kat called me up one day and she was like, Hey, you know, would you want to do this on your own? Like, can you, can you do that? And I was like, can I bring on like a group of freelancers? And she was like, yeah. And so she gave me a shot. And, uh, so I formed like a, my own LLC. It was called Green Films at the time. And Kat was basically like one, like she was my biggest client for like two years. And we did a, we did a PBS TV show and like that, that felt like home. Um, that felt like think, where you wanted to be, where, yeah, where you were uh, always sort of aiming for. Yeah. I mean, it's not often that you feel, uh, maybe someone in our industry that like you're doing something to help others with a camera. Like that's a really hard thing to do unless you're working for like nonprofits, NGOs, which I've, I've done as well. Like that kind of led to that, but being able to meet like small, small town farmers that were trying to do like organic beef or organic, you know, swine or, uh, like artisanal stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, Anything like that. Like it really was like, okay, well these aren't like, this isn't like fucking wonder bread and Walmart. Like we're not, we're not hawking shit for the man. We're actually like working with these young entrepreneurial people that are trying to build something and like change the industry a little bit, you know? And it was really, it was really, to me, it was like, man, this is like the best thing I could possibly do at the time. And Cat was really great. Like Cat, like as long as we had really good, beautiful content, like Cat was really like open to like what that looked like. I mean, she had a certain story agenda that she wanted to flow, right? But for for the content creation, like she was really open to it. As long as it was really beautiful and it told a good story, she was fine with it. And so it was a really great gig. And um, I think at one point, like I really wanted to expand it out past Missouri. Um, and I, I also say like at that same moment, so like twenty. 
14-ish, like I, I got really hooked on like the best equipment, the best gear and all that stuff. And like that, that hubris, that ego started to slide back. I call him Vigo, Vigo the ego. So Vigo kind of started to slide back in a bit, right? And uh, I think Ken and I just kind of had like a falling out about like where to take the show. And so that kind of dissipated. And then I really wanted to figure out how to make a merger of like photo video company. And I wasn't sure how to do that. And I, you know, cold calling is a, I mean, if you ever cold called at agencies, it, it can be a pain in the ass and it's slightly terrifying. And I'd cold called as many people as I could. And I'd worked with a bunch of nonprofits in town and the, the, the finances were good. That was fine. But I wanted to know like what it was that like made brands reach out and hire people. And I figured the only way to really do that was just to immerse myself in some sort of brand learning environment, you know? And so I, I joined like a marketing team around that time. In-house? Yeah, I joined like an in-house marketing team around that time. And I just mm -hmm. kind of like fingered there and tried to, you know, glean as much knowledge as humanly possible. Well, let me step back a couple steps there. First of all, that, that critique that you got from Studio 3, mm -hmm. is that still in your mind? Like, are you still shooting with that chip on your shoulder? Oh, no, no. So... What, like I mean, does does what what you heard that day does that still echo when you're out working? Oh yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because if I'm not putting a little bit of myself into something, if I'm not if I'm not being vulnerable and like putting my heart on my sleeve, which is where I like to keep it, when I, especially when I have a camera in my hand, then I'm I'm not giving you anything that you couldn't get anywhere else. But how do you know that that's happening in the moment? Like how how are you tracking that, and and how does it manifest in the and the results? Uh, I think uh, that's a really great question. I would say, <laughs> uh, for me, it's it's a bit of a feeling. I think I I shot so much stuff. I sorry to say, shot. I captured so many so much stuff that didn't feel like myself for so long. Then I know what that feels like, as opposed to when I came back and I started capturing things for myself, as opposed to like. Like, you know, like when you're on one of those shoots and like it's a video shot and like, you know, you're helping direct somebody or you're getting the shot yourself and you're on that slider and that, that like that little glimmer of light like passes through the barn, like that, like that little flare right there, right? Like mm -hmm. that, and that little glimmer of light. And then there's like dust in the air from like somebody like grinding down flour or whatever. And it all kind of comes together. Like I can feel it right now. There's just like a little tingle behind your heart, right? Or mm -hmm wherever that is, like it's just right there. Like you can feel it. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's on your arms, the back of your neck. Like you can just kind of feel that tingle. And to me, that's, it's what I call the authenticity, like the awesome, the authenticity moment. Like you, it, you are most authentically yourself creating in that moment because you know, a part of you is involved in that space. Like you're chasing down something that you would shoot in a certain way. So I, yeah, I it's kind of like goosebumps when you hear the right song kind of yeah, feeling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, like one I of those songs that. that like meant something to you, you know, in, in your youth and it comes back on and you're, you haven't heard it in like eight years or something and you're like. But there must be some way you can put yourself in a position to get that feeling and get that shot every time. Oh yeah, for sure. Every, yeah. I mean, that's like, I've sat with it for so long now that it's, it's, um, I talk with it about my wife sometimes. It's like you, you get there and there's just like an energy reserve that you kind of like save back. You know what I mean? When you know a production's coming up and you just save it back. And then it's like, 
I like to do little powwows before we start that production, bring everybody in. And I'm like, hey, here's the deal. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out here. We're going to kick ass. Like, I really believe in positivity and joy on set. So, you know, bring it in. Like, we were, um, most recently, we were out in the desert in, in LA and it was a really hot day. We were having computer issues and I could see like everyone was kind of coming down a bit. You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't want to let that energy go. Like, we still got a big shot list. We can still make this. So I brought everybody together and I was like, hey, check it out. Like, look, like one day, one day we're all going to fail. It's just going to happen. It's inevitable, but not today. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out. We're going to take these two people. We're going to put them on that city street right over there. We're going to knock it out of the park. You know what I mean? Like, I just went through it that way. And like, man, you can see it. It builds. It's this mm-hmm. intensity. And like, once you figure out that it's a reserve that you can kind of keep in your heart, you can tap into that energy at all times. And you can always make sure that like, as soon as, as soon as the set is ready, it's lit. And that talent steps out on that set. It's game time. It's go time. Like, let's just do this. We're on it. Yeah. And then, and then you start to see the collaboration. Like you'll start to see your art directors and your creative directors. They'll start to like, you see it. Uh, I usually, I usually tell the talent, I'm like, I'm like, listen for it. And they're always like, what do you mean? And I'm like, when, when we get, when we get that shot, you'll hear them. They're going to be like, oh, or, oh, oh my God. You know, like you'll, you'll hear it. And then when yeah. you're hearing that, feed on that energy. Cause I'll feed on it with you. And like, it's just going to be you and me, you know, like it's, it's something beautiful right there, man. It's, it's really, it's really pretty when it happens. But I mean, I think it, I mean, I'm, I'm 41. Like I, I, I don't want to say I got it all figured out because I don't, I really don't. I learn all the time, but I think in that aspect, like I, I know what my energy reserves are and I know like how to, how to feed those and I know what depletes them. And so I just make sure that when, whenever we come to set, like, you know, I'm always, I'm always trying to chase outdoing myself. You know, I'm going to steal Matthew McConaughey's line here, but like, I'm always trying to chase the person I am five years from now. So I'm always trying to chase me five years from now. So like, if I'm taking this, if I'm taking this photograph or I'm, I'm creating this content, like would, would me five years from now be like that, that's a good capture, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or would they be like, what the fuck were you doing? Cause if it's, mm-hmm. if it's, if you feel like it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Then you're not being authentic to yourself. And that's when you need to like add more, like bring more energy out and bring it up so you can deliver hmm. personal, personal philosophy. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Another another thought I had when when you were kind of telling your career history was um, that PBS show. Sure. Uh, how much of that? And I I ask myself this all the time: like, how much of success is defined by audience, you know, or mm-hmm. or distribution or availability to more eyeballs? Like, there's a there's part of what we're doing that is just for other people. Yeah. You know, like otherwise we wouldn't put it out the same way, you know, that we would, we would just be sort of hermits who do our own thing. Um, and would, <laughs> and, and so, you know, where, how much of that feeling is like validation or, no, no. uh, connection with others or, or whatever it is, that expression that we're trying to get out of ourselves for others requires others. Yeah. Uh, down. And so you having a show that's got a home on a PBS station makes it that much more intense of a of a an experience, right? Because it's it's got that component working as well as your interest in the content itself. Um, I don't know. How do you see that? How who are you making your content for? And 
um, what do you, I don't know, what do you hope happens? What, who do you hope is watching? Mm. Another good one. Um, I would say, I will say this. I would say back then I was definitely making content for myself. Um, and I think that is part of that, like that, that Vigo, that ego, like sliding back in that hubris sliding back in. And I think that was the lesson of the takeaway of like, of like losing that client was like, and losing that gig was like, dude, like it can't be about that. It can't be about making the content for yourself. Like, so these days and like the time that I've had working with the, an incredible marketing team, just a great group of individuals that is like a family is it's, it, it takes a fucking village. It takes so many people to make one piece of content happen from, from pre-production to copywriting, to art direction, to designers, to post-production. It, until it's like printed or it goes live on a site or it hits the social, like it, there's so many people involved and it can't just be one person's show. It can't just be one person's idea. It's gotta be, it's gotta have a little bit of everybody in there. And so I think the driving force for me now is, you know, my ultimate goal is to, if someone approaches me or we're working together, we're going to collaborate together on a project, like they have to go back and answer to somebody else. Every, everybody has a boss, right? Unless you're working with like the CEO of a company and, and we all know that it doesn't happen. The CEO has people that has people that has people, right? Mm-hmm. So like when that person goes back to their boss and they're going to show this work and they're going to showcase it, I don't ever want them to have to be like, so keep in mind it was raining. Keep it, you know what I mean? I don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. keep in mind this was, this was at hour 15 of an 18 hour day. Like I, if they have to preface it with anything like that, like I, I see that as a failure. We didn't, we didn't do our job. I see, like for me, I prefer them to come in and be like, holy shit, I can't wait to show you this work. All right, when can we meet? Can we do it on a Tuesday? Do you got a more? Do you, what, when? Mm-hmm. When's your first availability, right? And they're like, hey, calm down, Tommy. Like, what, I don't know, just what a random name, right? Like, calm down. I get you're excited. I get it. But like, let's, let's take a look, you know, because how many creative directors or like senior art directors or, you know, VPs of marketing have ever had somebody youthful and energetic come in and be like, oh my God, check it out. Look what we got, right? Happens to everybody, right? But then if they sit down and they look at the work and they're like, oof, whoa, like I want to send the person that we collaborated with on set back to their client to be like, you guys aren't going to believe this, like better than we possibly imagined, right? To me, that's when we succeed. And like, mm-hmm. me, so like, that's, that's what I chase. Like, that's what I'm chasing. Like outside of chasing, like who I am five years from now, I'm making sure that like that person was to be proud of the work and trying to put a little bit of me and, and who I am into the work. That's the main goal is like, can I send this person back to where they're just so, just so jazzed. They're so exuberant about the work that we just got to do that. They're like, what? You know, when you see that actually happen on set and somebody's like, I, like we got it, you know? Yeah. We're good. Like that, that's, to me, that's the moment of clarity where you're like, this is, this is why we're shooting this the way that we're shooting it. Well, that's also a very concrete uh, audience to yeah. think about. You know, you don't, it's not this abstract kind of uh, idea of an audience somewhere out there. Like, I wonder if 
somebody else. No, you've got somebody standing next to you on set. That's yep. your primary focus um, as you're creating, which is which is a good way to look at it. I think it it, it allows you to control a lot more about yeah. the process. Yeah, and also it's a it's a great way to be inclusive of them too. You know, it's a great way to be like, cool. So like, how are you feeling about this? Like, should we move this around? Should we move this around? Do you feel good about this? Like, I was kind of going for this. Is that is that going to fit that design spec? Is that going to fit what the designers chase? And like, the more that you can pull people into the creative process with you and let them be a part of it and sharing it with you, I think it's a better wholesome like all around experience. Now to answer your question, if I'm just creating for myself or it's something that's like editorial, um, I. For myself, I just try to, you know, capture something that feels authentically for me, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like something that I I can look at and be like, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. It's you know, that, I think when you're young, you try to like you have this picture in your head that you're trying to bring to life in front of you, whether that's through whatever medium you're using, right? And it's it can be hard to get to that state, but I think as as you as you progress and you start to hone your skills, you become better and you practice and you learn you fail a lot and you learn from those failures, then I think that's where you start to be able to manifest that picture or that that mind's eye view of what it is you're trying to create out there. So for me, if I'm creating for me, I'm just trying to match whatever I see in my head. If, you know, if we're doing editorial work, like my goal is like, how can I represent this person that I'm capturing in the in the best possible way or that's reflective of, of who they are? You know, I, you know, if I've had 15 minutes to spend with that person to talk, like I can I can get a lot of information on somebody in 15 minutes just by sharing some of, some personal stuff with them, right? If I yeah. can represent them it to the best of my ability with, you know, after that 5 or 10 or 15 minutes with them, like that I think mission accomplished on that one as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, um looking ahead, what what are you working on that you're excited about? What's uh what's out on the horizon? What's what's 5 year from now, Judd? Uh what, what what are you aiming? Which which thing is helping you aim toward that five year Judd? Uh, I think I think there's a couple of different things. I I really uh, I've been really busy over the last seven years, just doing what I do with the marketing team, um, trying to build something in that space as well, like a, a content team, um, and then also like the evolution of content over the last seven years has been pretty pretty extreme. Um, so recently over the last like year and a half, two years, I've really been trying to lean into doing more personal work, um, just to let some of those ideas that have been, uh, marinating up here for some time, get them out so the new ones can take their place. Um, so I've been trying to work, I grabbed, I grabbed like a gallery, like a gallery slash shooting space in the downtown, like Dutchtown area. Um, so I've been trying to like hit that up. Once a month, I don't, I, I feel it that often, uh, but I've been trying to hit it up like once a month just to like really hone in on those personal projects. Cause there's, there's two in particular. Um, one, I'd like to do like a little photo series book uh, that I shot all on film. And then about like the passage of time and how it relates to like human beings, especially during the pandemic. That's kind of when it, it manifested for me. And then the other one is a, a passion project I've been working on for a real long time. Um, or at least I've been thinking about it and trying to put it down on paper for a really long time. And I think I'm to this stage now where I can kind of start that project. Um, but outside of personal work, I mean, my goal is just to continue to get better, uh, to try to really build uh, more skill sets, uh, both in like a cinematography aspects, uh, become a better photographer, become better at reading light, seeing light. Um, I really like to expand the client portfolio. You know what I mean? I, like I said, I, I really love 
I come from a small farming town in uh, Northwest Ohio. And very like, I mean, we literally had like three stoplights and a subway. <laughs> Everything else was cornfields. Uh, you know, and I, I see a lot of that in the St. Louis area. Like you go across the river in Illinois and it's a lot of cornfields and small towns and you go, you know, out this way to like St. Charles or even Chesterfield Valley. And it's a lot of cornfields and a lot of ag stuff. And I, I kind of feel at home uh, in that demographic because I know it, like my, my uncle was a pig farmer and uh, I bailed hay and straw from the time I was 14 until I was 18, you know? So like really being able to, to work with like in that, in that area is really appealing to me. I really like when I get editorial gigs and it's, it has to do with like farmers or mills or something like that. Like I, I love that work. It's so much fun because you're always going to find an interesting story or an interesting character and hmm. you know, but I'll do you get out and do spec work in that world or, or personal projects out in the rural space? I, know. I have never done any spec work in that world. That's something I would really, like, that's part of what I'm talking about. Like, I would, I would love to get out and try to do some of that stuff. Um, I've never done any personal projects out there either. I, I, have one, uh, I have one in the back of my head, but it's one of those ones that, like, if I had to put it in an order of, like, where I want to get it out, I want to get these other two out first, and then it's one of those ones that's in line after that. Um, but I really love harvest season. I just, I love harvest season. Like you'll see like, um, just blue collar, hardworking people out there at all hours in the morning throughout the entire day. And then, you know, we've all driven by those, those cornfields or farms at night. And like here, they, you see this giant ass machine out in the middle of the cornfield and there's dust flying off of it. Like it's, it's a it's harvest season, so it's day to night. And like to me, there's something really intriguing about that. Really, really intriguing about that when we start talking about the crossover of like hustle hustle culture and then even production world, like 16 hour days. Like farmers been doing 16, 18 hour days for a few thousand years. And I mean they're 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 hustling and I there's something really intriguing about that to me. And I, I feel like there's something there. I just need to dig a little deeper on it. Honestly, that feels like a pretty sweet ad campaign, you know, like the grind, but it's all farmers. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's all hours of the day. I mean, cause I mean, you think about it, like Dane, let's cut this part out and save it. Okay. Yeah. So we, <laughs> this is a, this is a pitch. This is not this a podcast. Is a yeah. But if you think about it, like everything in your refrigerator, you know, the oranges that are sitting next to me, the lemons, the apples, the potatoes, the onions, the corn, all of it, like, you know, it's all coming from those farms. It's all coming from these people that are on this grind going through harvest season and trying to make it to market in time. And then, then there's the other aspect of that, that people know that they're not going to have a good grow season. So they grow, they grow, you know, corn that's going to become feed corn or soy that's going to become soy corn and they're going to take a loss, but they're still out there in that grind. They're still out there hustling. And I, there's something really interesting to me about that. There really is. I don't, I don't know what it is. I haven't been able to pinpoint it yet, but. I mean, yeah, like, well, maybe maybe it's a documentary that you're trying to work your way into. You that, know? that sounds real intriguing. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, I would I would follow that if I were you. Yeah. Um, and you should talk. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should follow that together. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, this is a pretty good uh, hour we just put in. Any uh, Anything you have on your mind that you'd want to talk about before we... Say goodbye. No, man. I mean, you guys, you guys have been great. You and I mean, getting to meet you. I mean, we've only done it virtually a couple of times, but I don't know. 
John, John always speaks highly of you. Uh, and we've, we've spoken about you a few times over the past couple of years. And, um, it's just been great to meet you and like sit down with you, talk to you, get to get to share a bit. So like, well, pre- likewise, likewise, and same. And uh, I'll be in town for a few days in uh, a week or so. So really? I'll be in St. Louis, staying at the lovely Cheshire Hotel. Oh, nice. What? Wait. What? Wait. Wait. What room are you in? I don't know yet. I don't know, but I will. Uh, I'll be excited to find out myself. <laughs> Yeah, well, we should we should definitely get a coffee or tea or I don't know if you're not a caffeine person, we can go get food too. I love food. Yeah, yeah, I do it all. Um, so uh, so thanks, man, and let's uh, let's see each other in a week or two. All right, that sounds good to me. That sounds great. All right, Dane. Uh, oh shit, we've got to do our uh, close, our usual. Oh. Okay, is there, so is there usual close. There, what? there you is. You got it. So John's not here. I'll take his place. I almost blew it because that's that's okay. really his thing. Um, okay, so here's what we do. Imagine, let's call it your happy place. Okay, cool. Maybe oh, let's let's imagine five year five year from now, Judd. Five years from now, Judd. I got it. Where is he right now? Four and eight, instead of saying it, create an an oral space. Okay, tell us tell us what five year from now, Judd is hearing. Um. What's around him? What's he feeling? What What's his environment like? And then Dane will bring it to life uh, with sound design uh, before we publish. All right, copy that. So looking up, seeing the sky, uh, can hear a little bit of chatter on each side, and then uh, can feel some warmth and some movement a little bit um, throughout the whole body because I'm just kind of like floating. And then lean your head back, and it's just ultimate silence. Wait, is 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 five years from now, Judd? Is he floating? Floating on a river, man. I like just literally like I floating on top of a river sounds like a beautiful place to be in five years. Just kind of hanging out, floating on top of a nice. river. Like, next gig is uh, okay. Do me a favor. Do do Dane a favor. Describe describe the the river. A big river, small river. Are there trees overhead? Are you seeing birds? Are you uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, dragonflies? Oh yeah. Oh, do you know there's it's Missouri, so there's always dragonflies on the river. So dragonflies, you got some birds flying across. It's one of those days where it's not too hot. It feels kind of good. There could be like a little uh, a little raindrops that roll in every once in a while. There's no thunderclouds. Very small river, uh, maybe 20 feet wide, maybe five feet deep. Not a big current. You just kind of sitting there floating. You know, maybe hear some splashing of the family just around the bend. Or at least my family's just around the bend. Maybe hear some splashing in the water. Just kind of enjoying the day and knowing that you know you worked hard to get there, so you're just sitting in it. And definitely trees. You gotta have trees. You gotta have trees over that river. Gotta have some dappled light. You know. For sure. For sure. Um, perfect. I think. Uh, I think we can work with that. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, it's not what I would say at all. What was wrong with you? <laughs> this is not what I would have said, Judd. Judd, this is what I would have said. Like, <laughs> yeah, can, yeah John exactly. <laughs> He's much better at directing this than I am, for sure. Um, but uh, this is awesome. This thank you. Fun. And uh, yeah, this has been this has been a blast. And uh, thanks for being part of Hey Retriever. Hey, thanks for honestly, sincerely, with all my heart. Thank you for offering me a space to come in and be myself. Uh, and, you know, extending or opening the door and maybe seeing what, what we can build together. I love that. I appreciate it. 
Right on. <laughs>